We are back for another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. And today we're back with a super special guest. Christian, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, what's going on everybody in podcast land? My name is Christian Thomas. I am a friend of Jen's from way back in college. Yeah, today we are reviewing the film Green Book. It recently won uh, the Oscar Best Picture Award. Um, And so we all hit to the theaters and had to see it um, out of curiosity of why and how this film won. Uh, It was kind of a big surprise and lots of interesting conversations bubbling up post its win. And so we thought we had to tackle it. And we really wanted to have this conversation with someone who has grown up in a background that is African-American in the United States and to kind of hear what their thoughts are about this film, its portrayal of racial relations and really bring that into a conversation and also just have a lot of fun because Christian's a whole lot of fun. Aw, shucks. So, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with the IMDb summary? I sure do. A working-class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical pianist on a tour of venues through the 1960s American South. All right. Let's start off with kind of initial thoughts. My initial thoughts as I was watching it, I thought it was, I thought it was a great movie. It was interesting to see the setting of it being in the, the 1960s. And you had African-American performer traveling throughout the country, going down south and interacting with many different characters, some people that weren't as receptive to him being black, while others were very welcoming. But seeing how being black back in the 1960s, seeing how that was how big of a factor that was in society compared to now, I think is crazy because that's less than 60 years ago. So to think that my dad, who was born in 1956, he was growing up in a time where there was still segregation and Jim Crow laws going on and just people not being treated equally I thought that was crazy, but I think watching that movie, it gave a bit of a glimpse as to what it was like growing up and being black during those times. Awesome. Sarah, what were your initial thoughts? Um, I hated this movie uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, I think that the the premise of the whole movie, the, this idea of Dr. Shirley going and uh, choosing to play in the South, in these venues where he knows he is actually putting himself in danger. Like that is an incredible story and how he's, he's trapped between two worlds and he doesn't really fit in and everything that's going on inside of him. Like that is a phenomenal premise for a story. And that is not the story that we got. <laughs> the, the fact that the main character was Tony Lip, who I didn't care about, just infuriated me from the beginning. I was like, I don't care about you. I don't care about <laughs> your family. I don't care. I care about Dr. Shirley. Show me more of him. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I loved all the parts with, with the music and when he was, you know, just being himself and, um, just trying to navigate this very difficult situation. Um, but everything else I was not a fan of. And then all of the, um, uproar from Dr. Shirley's family and all of that scandal and stuff, it just added fuel on the fire of my intense dislike of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I was very much surprised when this film won for Best Picture, and Sarah, I texted Sarah in all caps, and I was like, Green Book won Best Picture, what happened? And so we both did some digging and kind of read up a little bit about it and then proceeded to go straight to the movie theater to see it. But it's a really interesting choice given the other films that were also nominated for Best Picture, like Black Klansman, which I had seen like a few days earlier that portrayed this incredibly powerful, realistic portrayal of the racial divide that still exists in the country today and the white supremacist groups that are still rampant throughout our country. And so to to show that as a wake-up call and for that not to have gotten this recognition was surprising, and especially when it was in favor for Green Book, which portrays a story of reconciliation between Tony and Don Shirley, but I felt that the portrayal was had that glossy finish that Hollywood often loves to brush onto a a story that is you know the the classic words that come across the screen before the film starts, which is inspired by a true friendship, which upon some digging is not actually true at all. They were very much an employee-employer relationship. All of these things we'll kind of dive into later on in the episode. But I think given the way that this film was made and kind of forced upon the Shirley family, where they initially had refused and didn't want this film to be made, and then the Valalonga brother went off to create this film and portrayed it in a way that was entirely inaccurate in a lot of ways um it's highly problematic so those were kind of some of my initial thoughts there's lots of different themes that we'll dive into i think there are some parts of this film that did do a good job for example being able to show that there's not only racial divides but class divides in our country and the fact that tony came from a background that was not very wealthy and the challenges he faced i thought they they attempted to tackle these other topics beyond just racial reconciliation. But overall, overall, the portrayal I thought was a little too simplistic and a little too clearly manipulating our heartstrings a little bit that I wasn't a huge fan of. So we all touched on a lot of different themes. Christian, I know one of the ones that um, you had mentioned and we all kind of found is one of the big themes of this film is the way that identity can be very gray and the fact that Don Shirley in that one scene was expressing his frustration around not feeling like he was the cookie cutter fit into all of these different groups of people. Um, Let's unpack that a little bit first. Yeah, most definitely. I remember watching the movie and seeing in different scenes where there were things that Tony was saying as he was driving 
Dr. Don Shirley um, throughout the country, whether it was, oh, you don't know who Aretha Franklin is or, oh, you don't eat fried chicken. And just acting like these were all things that he should know or be aware of. And he's not obliged to to know. And his he's not less of an African-American for not knowing or not engaging with those different things. And I think that a lot of times, especially now, some people actually, I would say less now, but as I was growing up, there were times where I felt as a young black man that I had to do certain things or be certain things in order to be considered, I guess, black enough or accepted by other people who were the same ethnicity as me. And so I felt like growing up, I needed to listen to hip hop or I needed to do different. I need to play basketball or play football or do different things that people think are stereotypically done by African-Americans. But in, in reality, we're all so different. Black people in general, as well as people all throughout the country, all different races and ethnicities. And the you're, you're not more of something just because you do things that are stereotypically done um, by people um, who categorize in a certain way. So no one's more black because they eat fried chicken and someone does, doesn't. No one's more black because they can rap and someone can't. No one's more black because they can dunk a basketball and someone else cannot. And so I think having him kind of break down in the car and just start walking away from Tony in that scene. And he was saying he didn't really fit in with black people and he didn't fit in with white people because they loved his music, but they didn't like him because of the fact he was black. Mm -hmm. I think seeing that and having that dichotomy of, I don't fit in either spaces that I'm around, so what do I do? It was just lonely. And I thought that was a good representation of how certain black people can feel. Um, so did you, yeah. did you feel like the, the film was able to bring to light that story and that bring that dimension into how people see your background and your culture, like, did you feel like the film was able to kind of bring that to light a little bit more? And that's one of the things you appreciated or. I don't think it brought it to light as well as it could have. I'm really good at reading in between the lines. So I was able to pick up that message. I was able to mm -hmm. pick up the message that he didn't feel like he was a part of one culture versus another he was kind of his own unicorn, I guess you would say. He was mm -hmm. in his own realm. Um, but And I guess because I can identify with that, I was able mm -hmm. to tell that there was that message of, oh, he's not what the stereotypical black person is, and he feels out of place when he is around other black people. Mm -hmm. And he feels left out when he's around white people because they don't like him strictly on the color of his skin. But he's doing what he has to do in order to make money and make a living. And 
I think as he was going through that, maybe he had lost himself or maybe it was just he was trying to do something to help other black people reach a level of equality because of what he was doing. He was doing it at such a, a high level that he demanded respect regardless of what his color was. Yeah. Sarah, what are your thoughts? I remember while watching, uh, at, at one point, I think it's in the middle of the film, their car breaks down, I think, and they stop in front of a plantation. And there's a whole bunch of black people out working in the fields. And um, Don Shirley gets out of the car. And you see that moment. It's that really, really clear visual disconnect that he has. And that was one of the few times in the film that I went, okay, that right there, that's magic. That Mm -hmm. is absolute perfection, the way that they did that. And I really wish that the film had done more about that. And and I appreciate what they did give us around that theme, because I feel like that's such an important thing to talk about. You know, no matter your race, it's really easy to feel like you need to fit into this stereotype. Um, And so whether you're white or black or whatever, you see that loneliness in him and there's something empathetic about it. You can go, okay, I've never been in that situation, but I can really relate to you. So that was the, mm-hmm. one of the few times in the movie where I was like, okay, this is great. Can we do more of this? <laughs> yeah. It really reminds me of the episode we recorded on Crazy Rich Asians and how Sophie mentioned something similar. Um, so one of our previous episodes, we, we had a guest, Sophie, um, on our Crazy Rich Asians episode, and she grew up in China and moved to the United States in high school. And she distinctly talked about a similar theme where she felt like she didn't necessarily fit in with her Asian classmates. And she also wasn't, quote unquote, white enough to fit in with her white classmates. And so there was, she was kind of caught between two different worlds. And I think that that feeling of where do I identify with and who are the people that I identify with and how it can feel disjointed sometimes. It's like totally relatable. Gosh. Um, I mean, we, we even, I mean, just watched Captain Marvel today and I won't spoil too much of it, but um, she also experienced a similar identity crisis. And I think we're kind of constantly as humans always going through identity crises, but especially when it comes to our culture and our past and even the generations before us, figuring out where and how we fit in with that is so important to how we understand ourselves. Yeah. One thing that I thought about, that I don't think too much about unless someone brings it up, is that for a lot of African-Americans, we don't know our origins. Like, we know we're from Africa, but we don't know the countries we're from. We don't know a lot of our family history that is before slavery. And so I think that adds another facet to things where we kind of have the liberty to make up who we want to be to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, it's still hard because 
you don't know who you're supposed to be and you have all these other different types of people people telling you who you're supposed to be mm. but you want to be something and you're not sure what it is and then you still have this reality that you come back to where I don't even know where my origins are so I don't even know if this is right or wrong but I think that we are after a certain point you begin to realize that you can really define what you want your future to be and define who you want to be and regardless of what that looks like I think that you can still be accepted in whatever culture that you're a part of um and that just helps add the multifacetedness to your different cultures. So like black culture, I feel like there are so many different um, aspects to being black that I don't feel, at least not anymore, I don't feel like I'm an outcast. I'm an mm-hmm. electrical engineer. Growing up, a lot of people didn't think that, or at least from what I was told, a lot of people don't think that black people could do things that were, you know, required a lot of intelligence. But obviously you have phenomenal black scientists, Mm -hmm. phenomenal black inventors, phenomenal black politicians. And it just shows you that no matter what you can achieve, what it is you want and do it really well and just create your own future. Mm. Yeah. So how does this film fit in with like, how the how you see the media portraying that that culture and the multifaceted nature of it or do you feel like the film takes away from certain parts of that like can I unpack that a little more oh that's a good question <laughs> uh let me let me think about that Sarah do you huh. have any thoughts on that I think that uh that multifaceted nature of the Don Shirley character is what makes him so intriguing. Like, I just, I wanted to know everything about him. Like, he's this brilliant, accomplished man, and he's this phenomenal pianist who who chose to learn the most difficult form of music, and that requires such discipline to do and he went into it with his eyes open knowing that he wouldn't be accepted like he deliberately chose the hard path and i think that he you know as a man and then in this film as a character did a lot to show that we can't put people in a box you know he I think there's a lot in the character to admire, but at the end of the day, I just wanted to know more. I wanted more of him, more screen time, more of his story. <laughs> I just wanted more. We know Sarah loves a good genius character too. I so. <laughs> do. I'm a sucker for a genius. If there's one on the screen, he's going to be my favorite. And <laughs> it is what it is. Poor Tony's just gotten tossed to the side in Sarah's world. <laughs> Whatever he can yeah. go. Oh, rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more people on my side. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier, but I do think that one of one of the things that the film attempts to do that I, I appreciate is tell the story of the Tony Lip character and 
how he has fit into American culture and American society as well. Um, kind of this working class man living in the city who, you know, whose family has been there for decades and he's living, he wants to live this simple life, but he also is put into a box as well because of his class and his wealth and his status there. And so I I don't know, maybe the film tried to do too much in trying to tackle both of those kind of like big themes, but I think I appreciated that bit of complexity and nuance that the film tried to, to infuse into the story as well. I think looking back, so before I saw the film, I didn't know that it was based on real people. So mm-hmm. I was going in just like, okay, I'm going to see an interesting film about this interesting story. And after finding out that the story was distorted <laughs> mm. in different ways, I kind of thought, hmm, I would have liked to know more about how Dr. Don Shirley was... Um, I guess how he, the the different things he faced as a musician, besides just those quick instances. Um, Because the scenes, all the things that happened in the story, I think they're definitely examples of things that happened in real life. But I don't think think they were isolated situations. Um, It 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 probably happened to other African-Americans, but I wonder how he specifically as a pianist and someone growing up, not growing up, but living through segregation and Jim Crow, how that impacted him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't touched on that topic yet. Shall we dive in? I think uh, the whole behind the scenes and how this story, the road from its first idea stage to its journey to the big screen. Lots of bumps and roadblocks along the way. So initially, the real-life Tony Vallelonga's, not son, sorry, brother, Nick Vallelonga, had this idea to create a, a film about this story. And so he reached out to Don Shirley and asked and posed the idea, hey, would you like, we would love to create this film. Are you interested? And he he refused. And years later, this film has been made. Um, the Shirley family was left out of the entire filmmaking process. The portrayal of Shirley as being this isolated man who is entirely disconnected from his family is completely inaccurate. And the, you know, for example, a lot of the people who were involved in making this film didn't think to involve his family into the process of the portrayal of their family member. Um, There's a lot of problems and issues with that. And I think it's, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of press recently with the Shirley family doing interviews and explaining who the real Don Shirley is. I mean, this is a, a distinguished musician's life and somebody's, you know, brother, son, who's, story is being told on the big screen and to have it be told inaccurately seems like such an injustice to that person. Like I would hate to have a a film made about, for example, my father 
that portrayed him as entirely disconnected from his family when he really was a loving family man. Like it, there's a lot of responsibility that films have to portray a real life person's story and to do it so inaccurately just feels irresponsible. Yeah, I feel like once you both told me about um, the details behind how, just like you said, how his relationship with his family was misrepresented, I thought that amongst other things that were misrepresented in the movie, that, that changed my opinion about it. I think when I originally said my initial thoughts was it was really good, that was from the idea of not knowing that it wasn't uh, a movie that was supposed to be represented on something that happened in real life. Once mm-hmm. I found out that it was, I was like, oh, they done jacked up. But I think that movies like that, I don't know, I feel like Hollywood just does everything to make everything seem more engaging or more have more shock value i think that aspect of oh he didn't know his family and he's uh mysterious he doesn't have any relatives or any relatives he he is aware of i think that made it seem like he was more interesting but as well as his relationship with tony obviously his relationship with tony in real life wasn't that of them being best friends and Mm -hmm. don shirley just going to his house for christmas dinner that wasn't what it was in real life. And having that false depiction of it, it definitely changes the quality of the movie when you find that out. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest issues with it and one of the reasons why all of its wins have has been so controversial. You know, like, that's cool, you made a decent movie, it looked great. However, it's marred with all of these scandals and all of these issues and um, misrepresenting an amazing man for whatever reason. Yeah, and frankly, I think while there are many people that are reading, maybe reading these articles and these interviews with the Shirley family, a lot of people probably aren't. Um, they see the film, they're like, wow, that was fantastic. We love such a idealistic reconcil- reconciliation story. And they don't, and they assume that it was a true story. I mean, they showed even in the ending credits, like the photographs of the real uh, Tony and the real Don Shirley and how they still remained friends for many years. Like, for a lot of people, this portrayal and the film's portrayal is what they're seeing as what actually happened. And in reality, it was a strictly employer-employee relationship, and there was not that beautiful reconciliation story that the film portrays to be as truth. And that just feels super icky um, that a lot of people kind of going on thinking that... remembering the story as this beautiful example, but it didn't actually happen that way. And that was one of my biggest issues uh, with the film, is this underlying, though 
probably unintentional theme of um, because a white person says that they're friends with a black person, then they're friends, uh, it, that there was no reciprocity in that relationship. And so now this movie is being broadcast and seen by millions and millions of people um, who, in a movie that completely lacks that, that two-way street that a friendship brings. And so I just, I wonder in a day and age when racial uh, relationships still aren't great, how many white people might walk away from a movie like this and just think like, oh, if I just spend enough time with a black person, then we'll be friends and then I'll be cultured and it'll be fine. And we'll be, you know, reconciled and it'll be great when that's not the point. You know, friendship is a two-way street and it comes with a real relationship that these two men, they had a working relationship and that's okay. It didn't need to be made into something more to try and say a message. Yeah, I think that's super true. Because I was thinking as I was watching the movie, I was like, there's no way they just became best friends out the blue after these like, what was it, three months? Yeah, they were on tour, I think 12 weeks. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that happened. And it, it made it seem so idealistic. And I know there are also people talking about the whole um, white savior aspect of it. Because Tony was, tr I, I guess, not, not really saving, but coming to Don Shirley's aid at different instances. And mm -hmm. I feel like also... I don't know. I don't know how accurate it was. The different situations that Don Shirley got in, where he was just drinking all night and like winding up in fights in random bars, or finding his way in the pool, skinny dipping, or just all these things. I was just like, okay, what? What did that actually happen or not? Because if so, y'all are definitely trying to make my man Tony seem like the hero here when he probably isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this film, as I was watching, I kept having this thought of like, is a film's role, and it could be one or the other, but is it to portray harsh realities to us? Is it to portray what we should be, what we can aspire to and show what maybe isn't true today, but can be true. I think films do both of those things and they often have very different purposes. Black Klansman portrays it, a very harsh reality and it does it in a way that is right in your face and gives you no room for interpretation. Like it's clearly telling you to like wake up and while we've made a lot of progress, racial relations today are still not completely reconciled the way that they can and should be. Um, this film, I think, portrays the story of like two people sharing life together and slowly beginning to understand each other if we're looking at it completely devoid of its like real life implications. Like just the film as a independent entity portrays two people sharing life and spending a lot of time together trying to get to know each other beyond what they may have initially thought or judged each other to be. And that is awesome. We're all for 
spending time with people that are not different or that are very different from us and not the same as us and sharing life together, being stuck in a car with them together. But yeah, I just had that interesting tension and dichotomy running through my mind while and after watching this film. Like a film can do either of those things. And I think this film's getting a lot of backlash because it portrays an overly idealistic story of reconciliation. But, like, is there still some value and merit in, in showing what we can aspire to? I I think there definitely is. I I think we should be constantly aspiring to more and to be you know, the best individuals that we possibly can be, um, and just to do life well. And so I think movies like that, that encourage us to be the best versions of ourselves are great. And those need to exist. Please filmmakers make more of those things. Um, but I don't feel like this film hit that mark. Mm -hmm. I feel like it probably, it tried to, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it just, it fell flat because it lacked authenticity and it, it just, it didn't feel real to me. So it wouldn't have, it didn't make an impact for me. Mm. Yeah, Christian, I agree. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Sarah. So even before that, I found out that it was a real movie, I still thought, okay, this is kind of, I feel like this is kind of far-fetched. Um, and obviously knowing now that a lot of things were distorted, that's obviously true, but I think it was also kind of hard to tell some, if there were really themes that were trying to be displayed rather than just different anecdotes. So the one, the one scene or a couple of scenes that really stuck out to me were obviously the one Sarah mentioned earlier when Dr. Don Shirley was on the road standing and seeing the slaves on the, on the plantation, I thought that I don't think there was necessarily a theme there. I just think it shows a dichotomy of what was for black people and what could be with Dr. Don Shirley, the success that he achieved as a pianist. And then I think to the scene where, like I mentioned earlier, where he was in the car in the rain and walked out the car and had that little argument with Tony about the identity, his his identity having identity issues. Um, I think there was another scene. Yeah, those were those are the main scenes, but there was no I I didn't really get a big message from it it was just kind of like okay this is what happened in his life this is the story of when dr don shirley was going down south there was to me there were no real messages from it except for this is what happened um this is what america looked like back in the 1960s in terms of racial relations but there was no, I felt no action 
to to do anything in particular after I got out of the movie. I didn't feel like super compelled. I'm a very analytical person, and so seeing that movie, there were not a lot of things that really sparked my mind. I would say, mm. like it didn't hit you in a lot of different ways or like move you deeply. Yeah, no, mm. it didn't. It didn't really move me. The only time I really felt moved was just seeing the 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 people at the plantation. Um, just because as a African American, I know that I have had um, family members who were slaves. Mm-hmm. I have family. So my great grandmother on my dad's side, excuse me, my great great grandmother on my dad's side is white. I have rest are African American and on my mom's side have some Native American in me. Um, but seeing that where black people were from that time, seeing where white people were from that time, I thought that that was a big deal for me, knowing now what I can achieve and what's the opportunities that are available to me now. Even though there are some things in this country that hold black people back, I still think there are more opportunities to achieve. There are a lot more opportunities to achieve and there's a lot more freedom than what we had back in the 1960s. So that was the only thing that compelled me. I just realized, oh, okay, we're not where we once were. So this is better. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I didn't feel anything that really sparked my mind as, oh, that's a great message or, ooh, I need to change this about myself. I didn't really feel that that much in that movie. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned in your initial thoughts how that was – really memorable to get to see the Jim Crow South in the, in the 1960s and realizing that your father lived through a lot of the, those years and those time periods and how you like being able to see that on the screen was really interesting to you. Right. Yeah. You mentioned that in your initial thoughts. Yeah, no, I did. And that was, yeah, no, I, I think that the movie did a good job at exposing that and mm-hmm. helping us see some, helping us see the potential of what was happening back then. But outside of that, there was nothing that really stood out to me um, or any call to actions that I felt. Yeah, it's really interesting. Be- I th- the I think that is one of the things that the film is trying to potentially portray or get across is kind of like this, look where we were and look how things have changed now and look how far we've come from 60 years ago. And it's interesting that this film is created by someone who's white, whereas, you know, I'm just comparing these with... um, this film with Black Klansmen. I know I keep referencing that, but I, I mean, they're, they tackle similar themes in a lot of ways. And Black Klansmen was created by 
a black director and it portrays a very different message than look how far we've come. And I think, um, not to say that it shouldn't be celebrated, but it's interesting that one's looking kind of in the future and one's looking to the past and how far we've come from there. So it's interesting to contrast like these two portrayals of a kind of similar topic. So what else do we want to kind of talk about or tackle? Was there other things that stood out to you about this film that you think we should kind of dig into a little bit? So one thing that, <laughs> that I was kind of annoyed about, not annoyed, but it just made me really question the movie was, so the movie was called Green Book. But they only talked about green, the Green Book for like 30 seconds the entire movie. I thought it was going to be more prevalent mm. and more discussed. Yeah. But I was like, what? Like, they, 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 it was only in like three scenes for a split second. And I thought there could have been, there was, I, I had higher expectations for what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, no, it was just disappointing that there wasn't more, I guess, there wasn't more examples of how tough it was to travel in the South. I thought there was going to be depictions of more fighting or more, I, I thought it was going to be a completely different movie. I didn't know it was going to be about a musical trio. I thought it was going to be <laughs> about like, like some Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X type stuff. That's what I thought it was going to be about at first. And the the I'm so glad that you brought that up because when you start to research the actual Green Book, it's completely different than how it was portrayed in the film. Also, um, the uh, I think it was the the Smithsonian has like a documentary that recently came out that they're airing about the actual green book. I haven't watched it yet, but I listened to an interview with the creator of it and her talking about the green book and how it was used and how it was passed around between different people in the community and how it included um, places all over the U.S. It wasn't just for in the South and how the places weren't these rundown dumps, but they were, some of them were exquisite hotels and, you know, people flocked to. Um, it's completely different than how it was portrayed in the movie. And once I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, talk about all of the stereotypes that they applied uh, to this film whether they knew it or not, uh, by, you know, that's not how the Green Book actually functioned. And those weren't indicative of all the places that were in the Green Book. And to name this film Green Book and have it talked about so little <laughs> just seems like a bad marketing strategy as well. So like, wrong. You, you're just asking for people to critique that part of the film the fact that you didn't <laughs> include it um I, I also thought it was interesting that the 
most of the time, the person handling the green book on screen and the few shots that it was, was used by Tony and not by Don Shirley. Um, and it's just, it's so crazy how much films can rewrite history for us. And even if it's not true, it becomes our reality. Like, had you not, Sarah, like, done some more research into what the actual real life green book was like and how it was used and what the type of facilities the green book would recommend like this film would be one of the ways that you would learn about this huge um tool used by the people from that time period and it's just so crazy how much film is just able to rewrite history for us because I mean, a lot of people probably aren't going to search that up. Well, and before I listened to the interview, like that was my perception was that Mm. not that they would be run down places, but that that book would only need to be used in the, in the South. It wouldn't need to be used in places like New York, but it was all over the country. And eventually they created, uh, like the last edition was, uh, all over the globe. So it was just, it widened my perspective. uh, And I'm really glad that I listened to that interview. Mm. Yeah, totally. Go ahead, Christian. Yeah, Yeah, it it just still blows my mind now that I really think about it. Like, wow, they did not even talk about that book. And like you said, um, it was mainly handled by Tony. Mm -hmm. I didn't see Don Shirley saying anything about it or using it or referencing it, or saying, oh, I used to stay here, thanks to the book. It had such a minuscule factor in the movie. And mm-hmm. it's like it's like one of those songs where the song is titled something completely random, and you just hear it, like, once <laughs> in the song, and it's like, okay, I get where that comes from, but it has nothing to do with the rest of the song. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that was a part that kind of disappointed me. Yeah, totally agree. Um, well, I kind of appreciate that this film is being talked about and commented on and people are doing some digging for themselves and lots of magazines and different online sources are blogging about it and posting about it. So it's great to see that there a lot of viewers are being very active with how they're watching films um, and doing some digging for themselves kind of the way that we're able to dialogue about this and, you know, unpack it and talk about parts we appreciated, talk about parts we hated. Um, So what are your final thoughts on Green Book? So for me, I would say if you want to see a movie where they idealistically portray racial relations. Um, the title doesn't relate to the movie. And the, the supporting actor should have been the, the lead actor. Um, then you should go see this movie. But <laughs> outside of that, I think that it has... There were some issues with it. Um... It wasn't very, it wasn't a a movie that I felt changed my life. 
it wasn't a movie that I felt did what it was supposed to do. I don't know what it was supposed to do, but I don't feel like it did its job. So, yeah. As well as the inaccurate representation to people. Um, I don't think that was good. But I think if you just watch this movie thinking that it's not based on anything in real life, you might enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to sum it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, I think one message that I'm going to pull from this film is that um, no matter who you are, what your background is, what your race is, if you have a dream that you want to do, go for it. Um, if there is a cause that it, you are passionate about, find a way to contribute to it. Um, I feel like that is part of the Don Shirley character and something that we can all uh, take away, being unswerving about our uh, beliefs and being resolute in what we know is right and going for it, even when we are knocked down. So I think that is a positive message that we can pull <laughs> from this otherwise disappointing film. <laughs> I like it. I want to pull a positive message as well. <laughs> I'm going to hop the bandwagon. Yes. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about this film is it's, the way that it shows so many scenes where Don and Tony are sharing life together, whether it's about Tony's family or Tony listening to Don talk about his his family or, I know it's not accurate, so we're just going <laughs> to focus on the fact that they were, they had spent time together and they had developed an appreciation for each other by the way, it was portrayed in the film, not in real life. But, uh, um, that sharing of time is so valuable in being able to connect with someone that you may not understand at first or being able to see that there's a lot that you have in common as far as the type of emotions you feel and life questions you have and um, challenges you face even if they're not entirely similar. There might be root components of it that are very similar, feeling alone, um, feeling kind of oppressed or marginalized, um, trying to find your place and find your value and identity. Like these are all things that are kind of universal. And I appreciated that the film wanted to portray that and wanted to show the power of like a, a real human connection and relationship and what that could, what that could do. Regardless of its backstory and what it was quote-unquote inspired by, I appreciated that part of the film. Dang, y'all making my final thoughts feel like trash. <laughs> no, I really appreciate your final thoughts. I just, I would have just said ditto, and that's not enough of a final yeah. thought. So. Right. Yeah. All of these positive things that Sarah and I pulled from this film are to balance out the other parts that are super <laughs> problematic about this film. So Yeah, my 
undying hatred of it. I had to have a little bit of positivity in there. I like it. I like it. Oh, man. Also, well, Christian, it's been great having you and just being able to dialogue about this film. And I mean, this is one of the things we love about film and about the podcast, creating just a space, you know, the span of an hour to just sit down and just talk and hear each other's thoughts. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, cool. Um, thanks, guys, for listening, for hanging out with us. If you haven't seen Green Book yet, we do recommend you watch it because it there's so many interesting implications and controversies and its role as far as like a film that has received one of the highest distinguished awards it's worth watching it to see and think about and ponder and challenge why it received that and what that says about Hollywood what that says about our culture and kind of the role and responsibility that both Hollywood and films play as far as writing and helping us interpret our history and our culture. So we recommend watching it solely for all of those reasons. Um, but as you can tell from our review, it wasn't it wasn't on our list of films we love, but worth a watch. And we also invite you to talk about it with friends, um, family, you know, people you meet, just dialogue. There's something super beautiful and powerful about just being able to dialogue and share thoughts together. Any other last thoughts, Sarah, Christian? If you see this film, see it with somebody that you can talk about it with. I think that's my biggest recommendation for this one. There's a lot of good conversations that can be had around it, even if the film itself doesn't prompt those conversations. Well, thanks so much, guys. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next week with another episode.